Okay, today's a little bit different. So for those that are visiting with us for the first time, today's a little bit different because we've got all this other stuff that's kind of happening in the midst of it. And the message is a little bit different. But I really, as I was praying, I just want to get some, some, some scripture and some things in there to get us thinking about what vision is and what God is actually calling us to do and all that kind of stuff. Amen? So Jesus, we just acknowledge you, your presence, your spirit. Bring revelation, understanding. Give us eyes to see. We need the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church. Not just us, but the church in this city. This region where you've placed us. Give us ears to hear what you were saying to your church, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for your word and your spirit. We thank you for your presence, God. Thank you, Jesus. It's funny that today, um, it's not about new vision, but Trisha's already got one of the words that, Trisha already got one of the words that um, the Lord gave me, recalibrate, to recalibrate and to clarify what God has said, amen? To clarify is the action of making something more understood. So when you clarify something, someone actually understands it more clearly, hopefully. Well, yes, otherwise it wouldn't be clarified, would it? And that's why questions are important. We have, to, we, we have to continue to build a culture where questions are okay to be asked. There's nothing wrong with a question. Isn't that how Jesus taught the people? The people asked Jesus a question. He wasn't scared of the questions. He actually welcomed the questions, and then he spoke to them and taught them from those questions, didn't he? There's nothing wrong with questions, so we want to. So I want to encourage you, if you don't understand something, ask a question. Because it's in the question that you actually start to think and we start to talk and we communicate and we get the answer. Amen? But recalibrate. To recalibrate something is to adjust it again. To adjust it again. To bring it to a point of reference. To bring to a point of reference to something that's drifted off course. So if your eyes have drifted off course a little bit, you need to get your glasses recalibrated, which is what Trish just said. If your car's not running very well, you might have to get it recalibrated. Go see Guy. He's a great mechanic. Or Wayne, if he's... I don't think Wayne's here today. Recalibrate something. To bring to a point of reference something that has drifted off course. And you know what? Life and time can do that, can't it? It's pretty easy. When, even when you don't really want to, you can just drift. Sometimes you drift off course, you lose your point of focus. Well, today is about clarifying and today is about recalibrating. Because the reality is that things that God spoke to us about at the start haven't changed. In fact, when I, years ago when we were in Launceston, we pastored a church called Gateway Baptist. And 
I was in the office one day because I, I was studying church history and I was studying revival and I, and I was studying all kinds of things. And, the, and, you know, even the history of Gateway Baptist, it was a building that seated 1,400 people. And when we went there as pastors, there was 40. Can you imagine how, how, how little 40 looks in the, month, in the midst of a building that seats 1,400 and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm crying out to God, and, he, and, he, and, he, and I saw this whiteboard, and he said, you know, when I establish something, the purpose doesn't change. I'm like, hmm. When I planted Gateway Baptist, all those years ago, it wasn't called Gateway Baptist at that time, but when it was established, it was established for a purpose in the city. Amen. And it was like a plumb line was drawn and it was established. It had a purpose amongst the other fellowships, the households of faith together in the city. But it, it had a purpose. And then the Lord showed me as different pastors had come in over time with different visions. It was zigzagging all over the place. They never gave any thought to the original vision, the original word that was planted with, but they were just going all over the place. And at times when it was close to its original purpose, there was periods of growth and explosion because it was lining up with its purpose. But when someone came in and took it off course, it was like it would diminish. I'm like, wow, I never thought about that. Do you believe that if God, and I say, if God establishes a local household of faith in a city, that it actually has a divine purpose in the city? Maybe some of you don't. That's okay. We can talk about it. Because if we are the body of Christ together, and there are different parts that have different strengths and different needs. And this is why we have to learn to work together and build relationship together, because we need the different parts of the body working together. But this is what the Lord was showing me. And he said, and I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, just realign it with my original purpose. I was like, whoo. So that's what we did. Things started to change. The reality is not just in Bundaberg, not just in Queensland, not, but not, and not just in Australia, but certainly in Australia, we need a fresh Jesus movement. Is anyone with me? We need a fresh Jesus movement. Much of the church has grown stagnant. Much of the church has just grown old, and I don't mean age. We need a fresh Jesus movement. We need Jesus to be the focus. I'm so glad that more and more we're just singing about Jesus. We're just worshiping Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. We're putting Jesus at the center because Jesus is the one that changes lives. He is our salvation. He is our life. He is the way. There is no other way. He is the name above all names. And we need to follow Jesus, not just with words, but with our actions. And that's really challenging. Because Jesus humbled himself. Did you know Jesus served his father's vision? Ooh. He humbled himself and was obedient. He was obedient in all things to the father. Therefore, the Father exalted him and gave him the name above all names. You see, much of, much of the church, if it's not stagnant, is looking for identity in ministry, in lights, in cameras, in actions, and it's all wrong. It's in Jesus. It's Jesus. 
We need a fresh Jesus movement. You know, we need to come back and we need to keep coming back. We need to be recalibrated back to first love because things flourish out of first love. You know, for, the, for some of you that are, that are new here, we don't take up an offering in terms of we don't pass the bag around. We don't pass the, the, the bucket around. It is there and it is there for you. Because we believe that if we point you to Jesus and you're seeking Jesus, that, that, that his heart will, will start to become your heart and you want to give and you want to help and you want to sow and you want to serve and you want to do these things because you cannot go deeper with Jesus and not want to love other people. You can't. It doesn't, it doesn't marry. The heart of Jesus is for people. It's for his bride, even though his bride is a bit funny at times. His heart is still for his bride. And that's why I hate it when people poke holes in kind of stuff. It's best to say nothing. Because none of us is perfect. And not one fellowship in Bundaberg is perfect. It's better to say nothing. And just get on with doing what you need to do. Well, it's either that or the, or the other thing is that if you believe you've got the answer, we'll get involved and help out. Don't withdraw the part of the reason we're putting Guy on for a day a week is because even though we are reasonably connected, we, we're still not really connected according to Scripture. There's another level of connection. You know, sadly, there are so many Christians that are not connected. There are hundreds. For all different kinds of reasons, there are people that are not connected. And it's the heart of God to connect. You can't enter in or you can't fellowship with Jesus and not want to fellowship with other people can't so we need recalibrating back to our first love and that's happens it's the same in your marriage isn't it isn't it easy to take your spouse for granted no okay okay you need to recalibrate back to your first love you need to recalibrate you know back to cherishing and loving your wife or your husband recalibrate Two words that stood out at the beginning was, well, one word that stood out at the beginning was the word restoration, and we spoke about that last week, about the restoration of all things. We want to see the restoration of all things, because that's what brings glory to Jesus. The restoration of the church, the restoration of the gifts of the Spirit, the restoration of, of people's um, lives, the restoration of um, body ministry, the restoration of these things bring glory to Jesus, because we're actually living out as His people the way that we should live, Amen. But the other word is transformation. Katie Barker and others have bought that word transformation, transformation, transformation. That we are a people of transformation. But guess what? We need the transformation in here first. Because the transformation in here will lead to the restoration. Isn't that true? The transformation in here will lead to restoration. It will lead to restoration of body ministry. Why? Because I'm being transformed and you know what? I, I, I want to get involved. It will lead to the restoration of the church. It will lead to restoration of, of the gifts of the Spirit because the transformation that's happening within has to, has to have an outlet. Proverbs 29.18 that Trish has referred to says, well, some translations say where there's no vision, the people perish. Yep. Maybe your translation says that. 
it's really interesting, hey? And so, you know, churches have vision Sundays because they go, well, this is the new vision and this is what we're going to do. But it's interesting that this word vision is not actually the way that we probably think of vision. It's actually prophetic revelation. It's actually prophetic revelation. So where there is no prophetic revelation, where there is no directive from the Lord, where there is no word of the Lord, where there's nothing being revealed, guess what happens? The people cast off restraint, which means they do what's right in their own eyes. We just do whatever we think is best because we haven't had that prophetic revelation. And so God is saying to us today, you know, he's saying to, to us today that I've already given you some prophetic revelation. That you are a people of transformation, but you need to come and humble yourself before me to allow the transformation to happen within you so that you can see transformation happen through you. That you are a people of restoration, that you are contending for things, and we need to continue to, con to uh, contend for things. Does that mean that we've got everything and we've under... Um, that, um, does that mean that we've heard everything that we need to hear? No. But this is why it's so important, as Judy said on Friday night, we just need to have ears to hear. At the start of the year, the Lord said to me personally, and I believe it was to us, that it was a year of casting off fear. Fear of man, fear of the unknown, fear, fear that's held you, fear, fear that's trapped you. Cast off fear and step in. Cast off apathy. Australia is an apathetic nation. She'll be right, mate. It is. It's in our nation. Complacency and apathy is actually part of our culture. But you know what? It's not part of the culture of the kingdom of heaven. So the Spirit of God wants to revitalize us. He wants to stir us up. It seems to be the only thing that Australians get passionate about is sport. Is it? I, love, I actually like sport. I've played sport all my life. But you know what? I've realised in this last 12 months more than ever that sport is an idol in this nation that's got to be brought down. That doesn't mean you can't play sport. I'm not saying that. But sport is an idol in this nation that needs to be brought down. How can I say that? Well, just look at this COVID period. I'm going to get a little bit bold for a minute. I hope that's all right. In this COVID period, our governments, our Queensland government, federal government, they will move mountains to keep sport running, but you make sure you stay at home. Unless you're going to the sport, you stay at home. That's exactly what's happened. You know, we lock Brisbane down for three days. You can't go anywhere. But then the next day when it opens back up again, 25,000 people are allowed at the Gabba to watch the cricket. Like, what is that? Isn't it funny that, that Queensland was in full lockdown until the week before the state of origin? Sorry, I'm sorry if it's getting a bit too out there. We just... We've got to get back to Jesus. And anything that's before Jesus in our life has to be recalibrated. We need an awakening. Even thinking about purpose. You, you, you all have a purpose in Christ, to know him and to make him known, but you know what? You are part of the body and you have a function. You all have purpose. What would it look like if the church in Bundaberg was all mobilized in this year, throughout the course of this year? What would it look like if the church was mobilized so that people just didn't come and attend church on a Sunday, but was mobilized to be the arms, the feet, the mouthpiece of Jesus? What would it look like? 
It would look amazing. It would. In 1 Corinthians 12, we read, you, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And we read in, I think it's verse 18 of chapter 12, that God has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. I don't understand a lot about medical stuff because that's not the way I'm wired. But one thing I do understand is that issues in our body arise when one cell decides to be something that it's not meant to be. They start to fight. Radical. Free radical cells. And they start to fight and they start to cause sickness in our body. And unfortunately, the church has been like that at times. Over the course of history, we do what we do rather than, well, how, how can I compliment my brother or sister? And we get into competing rather than complimenting. That's where we get to learn what humility is and, and a servant heart is. What if the Lord's invitation to us to join him saying I've missed a word in my thought process. <laughs> what if the Lord is saying to us to join in him, to join him in transformation and restoration? What if? What if? What if we couple those, those thoughts of words with re of restoration and transformation with casting off fear and apathy? What if we think about, which the Lord showed me a couple of weeks ago, that this is an opportunity to, to put time into our Jerusalem? A couple of people said, oh, can you please unpack that a little bit more because I didn't quite know what you meant. What I mean by that is that the principle that was in the book of Acts was that the, as the Spirit was poured out, that they were to be witnesses or living testimonies in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It was a geographical thing. The Spirit of God was poured out in Jerusalem. And as there was a move of the Spirit in Jerusalem, and as persecution broke out, they were dispersed. And as they were dispersed, the gospel went out into the outer region of Judea, the outer region of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What if God wants to do something in Bundaberg that not only changes Bundaberg, but it actually has an impact in this region and this, and this, and this state and this nation? What if? And often we're focusing on all kinds of stuff. So what if, and this is what the message was, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? What, what if you give me 2021? That's God, not me. What, what if you give me 2021 and put time into your Jerusalem? What could happen? Because at the moment, we can't fly anywhere. Oh, you can fly to interstate now, but you can't fly overseas. What, what if we responded? What if we dared to believe? You know what? The, the enemy wants to shut down revelation. He wants to shut down vision. He wants to shut down hope. Because you know what happens if you start to get revelation, if you start to get vision, you start to get hope. You know what happens? You start to get excited about something. You start to see something. And you start to rise up because you want to be a part of that. And today is about clarification and recalibrating. Because you know what? When you're battling for something, it can get heavy. You read a book about revivals <laughs> that have changed nations and we all go, wow. Have you ever read the book of the lead up to that? 
Have you ever read about the sacrifice? Have you ever read about the torment? Have you ever read about the spiritual warfare? Have you ever read about the battles and the battles and the battles that had to happen before that point? You see, we often want the, the, the glory, the revival, the now thing, but are we willing to actually go, you know what, I actually believe God's saying that, so I'm going to position myself and walk in that. God is looking for people who actually believe, you know what, that he can change Bundaberg. And he's going to change it in you and he's going to change it through you. This is why the enemy wants to squash revelation and vision and, you know, hope because it's like, yeah, no, I've heard that before, that won't happen. What if we responded? What if we all responded? I was reading in that devotional today about the Ark of the Covenant, about the glory of God. And you know, you know, they, David had a great idea. He was going to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God, into Jerusalem on a new cart because he saw what the Philistines did. There was a problem with that because it wasn't God's way. So here he was and they were partying and they're shouting on and they're just pushing this card in and it's just going in and it went really bad. What was the prescribed way of God that was the Levites were carried on their shoulders? It was effort. There was hard work. There was sweat. I don't know about you, but I wonder how many kilos this gold box actually weighed because it was coated in gold. How much did it really weigh? Can you imagine lifting that all the way, kilometre after kilometre after kilometre after kilometre after kilometre? Can you imagine lifting that? And there's something about that in the spirit because the Old Testament is the natural. Here they were carrying it in physically. But there's something about praying in the spirit and continuing to pray in the spirit and, and uh, continuing to travail and travail and travail until... Talk to those three ladies that were in the barn in the New Hebrides. Talk to the guys that were in Azusa Street. Talk to the people that were in Wales. And they were carrying this, this, this little seed of something in them that said, you know what, we believe that God can change a nation. And the question is, do we believe that God can change a nation? We see all the news headlines. We see the rubbish that's going on. But do we believe that God can change a nation? Well, you know what? It starts in me and it starts in you and it starts in us. And as Guy said, what did you say before? If not now, when? If not here, where? And if not, if not us, who? Why not? I remember at the start, the Lord said to me, build people. Focus on building people. That's why we're still here in the hall because we focus on building people. And I have to remind myself that sometimes. Build people, he said, and trust me with any building. It's the plans and purposes of God for people. Amen? So we want to continue to simplify things. We want to make things simple. So part of it is to clarify. We want to simplify things. And there's three main things that have been highlighted to, to us over a period of time. And the first one is connection. Connection with God and connection with other people. Doesn't doesn't stop, it doesn't cease. The verse of scripture, and we're only, you know, some people are probably sick of me quoting it, and I'm sorry for that. But I read it, I read it, and I go, man, we're not there yet. 
we just, we're not there yet. There's more God. And you know what happens? It's really easy to look at other people, but the best thing to do is look at Jesus and look at yourself and go, God, have your way in me. That is the best way. Have your way in me, God. It says a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, the measure of the love that we have for one another is Christ. Because he said, as I have loved you, love one another. How, how has Christ loved us? He laid his life down for us. Didn't he? And it says in 1 John 3, verse 16, that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters by this kind of love. Bundaberg will know that we belong to Jesus. I actually believe there is a witness in community. There is a witness in unity. There is a witness, because we read it here in Scripture, connection. Jesus didn't stop there. He went on in chapter 15 and he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches, so remain in me. If you remain in me, you will produce much fruit. See that abiding, abiding, Abiding in Jesus, abiding in Him leads to, you know, that, that, if he, that if He is the vine and we are the branches, by implication it means that we're connected to each other because we're, because we're offshoots of the same vine, aren't we? If He's saying, oh, I am the vine and you are the branches, you know what? We're all branches. And, you know, that, that, that we are connected to each other. And so that if we, if we hurt someone else, we're actually hurting the vine that, of which we're a part of. It's a connection. And we see that in the book of Acts, and I won't go there today because time is getting away from us. The book of Acts, about the connection that they had and the witness that they had. The second thing that we want to focus on is growth. And we're not talking about numerical, we're talking about spiritual. Because Scripture says that we are to be conformed to the image of His Son. The Spirit of God is at work in us to, to conform us to the image of His Son, to Jesus. And, you know, God is wanting to grow the church up. Jesus is wanting to grow His people up, wanting to grow, being changed from glory to glory to glory. And Paul, who was an apostolic father figure to the church in Galatians in chapter 4, verse 19, he says, I am in birth pains until... Christ is formed in you. It wasn't about building programs. It wasn't about this. It wasn't about that ministry. It wasn't about this. It wasn't about any of that. It was, I am in birth pains as an apostolic father until Christ, to see Christ formed in you. And he gave himself for people to be grown up in Christ. And this is part of the thing. I actually think we stunt the growth of God in our lives because we're so disconnected. 
Because you see in the early church, you know, when, when, when Paul established a church, he would go there and he'd go there for 12 months and every day he was giving them food and he was ministering to them and they just accelerated their growth. I know as a soccer coach, if a player only turns up once every two weeks, guess what happens? They don't get fit. But if they're there for every session, they just accelerate their fitness. And the principle is true, and that's what Paul said as a father figure. He said, I'm in birth pains. I'm carrying something. Ladies who've had babies, you're going to know it better than me. What does the birth pains feel like? You probably can't describe it, can you? Pain. (laughs) I'm in birth pains. I can only imagine. I mean, birth pains, because, I mean, you see it on the movie, so it's probably not accurate. I wouldn't know because Bonnie's had cesarean, so I actually don't. I actually haven't been in the room for that. But you know, this is like, ah. No, nothing like that. Right, right, okay. The gritting of the teeth, maybe? A little bit? No, anyway. But here was Paul, spiritually speaking, and he said, I am in birth pains to see Christ formed in you. This is my passion. This is part of my passion that God has placed in me, that the passion of Jesus in me is is to see people grow up in Christ. Because if we grow up into all maturity and walk as sons of God, we're going to see community, we're going to see love, we're going to see this stuff, but we're going to see more healings, we're going to see more signs, we're going to see more stuff because we are, because we know that we are sons of the King. Amen? I want to see people grow, but it's in grow up in every aspect. Because that's what it says in Ephesians 4, that the fivefold was given for the people to grow up in all aspects. And the third one and the last one is impact. You know, church, church was not born to just gather together only and that's the end of the story. The church was born to impact the world around it. Sadly, there's so much of the world in the church It's got to shift, and it's time for the church to begin to impact the world. Is that all right? Just checking. Don't want to get any any rotten tomatoes thrown at me. Let me close with this, hey. You know, we we need to stand and we need to be thankful. Oh, buddy. Is there anyone here that is thankful? Some of us. You know, the Word of God says to give thanks even when you don't feel like it. Give thanks in all circumstances. So hands up, who is thankful? There is going to be some changes. Because, you know what, for us to continue to grow... Um, the team ministry has to develop. Exodus 18. Exodus 18, Jethro comes to Moses and he says, Moses, what, what on earth are you doing? What you're doing is not good. You're going to wear out both yourself and the people because the task is too heavy. And he gave him the wisdom to, to, utter, to be able to appoint other people. You know, David, David, 
grew such an army. Why? Because he, because he was a leader who believed in the people. He believed in the skills. He believed in the wisdom. He believed in what they carried, and he formed them into a great army. You know, the reality is here that in here today, there is enough anointing. There is enough grace. There is, a, there is enough love. That there's, an un, there's enough to make an impact on Bundaberg alone. In this room today, there is enough treasure within you. There's enough gifting. There's enough power. There's enough anointing. Why? How can I say this stuff? Because if you're a born-again believer, Christ lives in you. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. There is more than enough in you to see change in this region. So somewhere, somewhere we have to put, we have to put the car into gear. And we have to go, you know what? I'm willing to step more into what God has for me. And, some, and I'm not saying you're not. There are some people like Jenny Stone's not here today. She gives tirelessly out at the Birth Burnett Youth Learning Centre. And she, um, you know, gives of herself to kids that just need hope and love, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's so many people that give so much. But we need every part of the body functioning. Every part of the body functioning. We need every part of the leadership function. We need every part of the body functioning. Because it is Jesus expressing himself through you. Amen? You, where's the music, music team? You want to come up? I just continue to go back to, and Jesus, Jesus uttered these words. Jesus uttered these words. And, you know, you talk about prophetic revelation. There's prophetic revelation right here. Jesus uttered these words when he started his public ministry. After 30 years as a son... To his earthly father. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Amen. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of, of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, gladness or oil instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. We can join him in that. We join him in that. We can stand up today and say, you know what? The Spirit of the Lord is, is in me. The Spirit of the Lord is in me to bring good news to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted. And maybe that's your brother or sister sitting next to you today. Maybe it's someone in your family. But maybe just maybe it's your next door neighbor. Or the person at your sports club or whoever. Bring the words of Jesus. We said, I speak Jesus. We sang that song before. I speak Jesus. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To set the people free. Amen. And, the, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Oh, now is the time of salvation. Now is the day of God's favor. God so loved the world that he sent his son. Not to condemn the world, but to save it. You have good news. We have good news. We have Jesus. And he says, the prophet Isaiah prophesies, and he says, and they will be called righteous trees, planted by the Lord. 
and they will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. As we too flow in the ministry that Jesus has given us to continue until his second coming, it is about rebuilding, it is about restoring, it is about renewing because that is the heart of God. And I encourage you today, if you're not, press into Jesus. Get his heart. Come back to that place of first love. If that's what you need, that's where you're at. But get a, get a vision. Get a vision of what restoration look, looks like. Get a vision of what transformation of Bundaberg looks like. Get a vision. Get a prophetic revelation or understanding about what it looks like and just set it before you as Jesus set the cross before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So when you're going through a hard week or a hard day, you don't get worn out, you don't lose your hope. Why? Because you've got a vision. You've got a vision of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got a vision of your family being changed, your neighbours being changed, Bundaberg being changed. You've got a vision. And you know what? You don't give up. Perseverance is part of maturity. Amen. Lord, just give us fresh vision where vision is needed. Hope where hope is needed. Understanding where understanding is needed, we thank you, Jesus. That we would have your heart, that we would get your heart on these things, Lord, more. That you would transform us more. That we would be the representation of Jesus. The exact representation of Jesus. Thank you, God. Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Lord. If you don't know your purpose, you're struggling to know your purpose, then God's got those things there, and we want to spend some time with you to help you find a purpose. There are promises of God that we will see manifest in this city and this region. There are promises of God. I, I remember with this song, we sang this a few weeks ago, and there was this mighty downpour. Do you remember that? In the natural, there was a sign. There was a sign. Even, you know, yesterday as I was singing this, or Friday night as I was going home for prayer, I was thinking about this, you know what, and I woke up Saturday morning at Bagara to hear the sound of rain on my roof. It was just raining and it was raining and it was raining. You know, they are signs of the prophetic promises of God. Amen.